You know, um, we're moving right along here in this series of all of Christ in all of me. So I'm excited about moving on. I do want to just take a moment and share prayer. Um, Pastor Joe had mentioned a couple on Sunday in Egypt who are going on trial tomorrow. So I want to pray for them. But I also want to pray for our Asian brothers and sisters who were horribly killed in Atlanta. Um, pretty ugly to go to work one day thinking you're going to just do your job and, and your life ends at the hand of somebody. So if you don't mind, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. You know the soldiers that are in this army, every single one. For you said you know the hairs that are on our heads. Not a leaf falls from a tree that you don't know about. So, Father, we're thanking you that you're right there with Safar and his wife in Egypt. Whatever charges are being brought against them, we know that in a courtroom there are judgments of innocent and judgments of guilty. We're praying, Father, for a judgment of innocent that they'll be able to be set free and go home. We also want to pray for the families of those that were killed in Atlanta. People working on their jobs. Father, surround them right now. Caress them. Caress their children, their sisters, their brothers, their mothers, their fathers. Let them know that you are with them doing this tragic time. Father, we thank you. We sing about love today. Is that we could dried the ocean. If the ocean was ink, it would be dried because trying to describe your love to us, it's, in, it's beyond our imagination. So we ask you, Father, to love on these families during this tragic time. Father, we thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone say it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, in this particular segment of all of Christ in all of me, I think it's important for us to really understand this requires obedience on your part. What I love about God is he gives us free will. (laughs) And that's good news. He gives us the opportunity to make a decision. So he gives us free will. He says, listen, here is my extravagant plan of salvation for you. One that I sent my son to die for you. I did all of these things. Here is the plan laid out from Genesis to Revelations. You have to choose to accept it. Because you must have faith that I am who I say I am. And if you have faith, then you can accept this plan and your life changes. Does everybody get that? So again, you don't. You're not forced into this. You have to accept it. That's why there's a place called hell. There will be some folks that don't accept it and they'll go to hell. Who those folks are, I don't know. I don't try to determine who they are because that's not my job. My job is to do my best to get everybody into heaven. That's my job. So I need us to get this today. As we preach this information to you, the word of God is not to just inform you. The word of God is to transform you. You should be a different person. Again, baptism, 
you're buried under the water. When you come up out of the water, you're resurrected. That means everything that was connected to your old way of life is now done. You get a chance to begin to live a brand new life. And in that process, you become transformed. You progressively become transformed by the renewing of your mind. Meaning that all the information that's in your mind is going to have to be renewed. Some of it's going to have to just be kicked out, thrown away. Wise preacher told me one time, you'll have to forget more stuff than you'll ever learn. Are y'all understanding this today? So it's important that as we go through these segments in this particular series, that you pay close attention and you pick stuff up that will help you change your life. You know what I love about God? He likes to prune us. (laughs) He likes to cut away stuff that shouldn't go along with us in this new journey, in this new life. Sometimes that's a bit uncomfortable. But as Pastor Joe said, and I've said many times before, we have confused ourselves thinking that church meant comfort when church actually means change. Somebody say amen. So the particular series for today is entitled Nailed to the Cross. Nailed to the cross. This symbol of suffering and shame that they placed Jesus on. They nailed him to the cross. Now, they didn't know at the time that they were helping to fulfill God's plan of salvation for us. They thought that they were actually getting rid of somebody that was a a, a sore in their side, somebody that was causing them problems. They didn't know that they were assisting God in completing the complete extravagant plan of salvation. So when they drag Jesus through the street carrying that heavy cross, they think they're punishing him. But in reality, they're opening the door to this incredible salvation that we now enjoy, that we now live in. So this part of this particular segment is to make sure we understand the finality of what happened on the cross. Because there are some final things. And if we don't put a period at that place, we'll continue to think that we have to do something. There's a finale to the cross. So this is entitled Nailed to the Cross. Are you ready to have some fun? Again, this stuff is important and it should be really taken in. So if you got some paper, you could take some notes and do those kinds of things. So the first verse we're going to have fun with is in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and we'll be reading from the Amplified Translation. Again, nailed to the cross. And it reads as follows. It says, what shall we say to all this? Should we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit so that God's gift of grace may increase and overflow? So I just want to unpack the word sin here again, because sometimes we get a really, you know, kind of crazy idea about what sin is some of us think sin is smoking a cigarette or drinking some whiskey or wine or uh, doing one of those kind of things so let me make sure you understand pastor ben didn't say it was okay for you to smoke a cigarette or drink whiskey and wine let me repeat that pastor ben did not say it was okay for you to smoke a cigarette or drink whiskey and wine as a matter of fact the cigarettes speak for themselves they have a little statement on the side of the pack that says, dummy, if you smoke these, they're going to kill you. 
I'm paraphrasing. It says something a little different on the side of the pack, but that's pretty much what it says. And we all seen the tragedies that happen when people become alcoholics and they, and they get addicted to those kinds of things and how destructive that is for their lives. But I need you to know there's a deeper meaning of sin in this particular context, and that is unbelief. The sin of unbelief. So the real concept here is, do you believe that God's extravagant plan of salvation is 100% true? Do you believe Jesus died for you? Do you believe that he was resurrected for you? Do you believe that he took and paid for your sin? Do you believe these things? See, if you don't believe it, then that is the real sin that is left. Because when Jesus was nailed to the cross, he paid for all the other sins that are in the world. Somebody say amen. Does that make sense to you? And we can break that down a little further as we go through today. But I want you to get that. So this sin here is the sin of unbelief. I don't believe. That's the sin. All right, let's read on. It says, certainly not. How can we, the very ones who died to sin, continue to live in it any longer so if you're dead to sin then you can't live in it any longer or are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death again this extravagant plan is twofold I remember when Jesus arrived on the scene Lazarus had been dead for about four days and his sister, his sister Martha, and they, they were really upset. They were kind of angry at Jesus because he came so late. Now, Jesus had to do two things for Lazarus before he could restore life to him. First, he had to fix whatever killed Lazarus in the first place. Y'all following me? Because if he didn't, he could cause Lazarus to come back to life. But whatever killed him the first time would kill him again. Same thing with God's extravagant plan for us. The wages of sin is death. So sin was the problem that we had that led us to death. Death being separation from God. The second part of Romans chapter 6 verse 23 is, but the gift of God is eternal life. So God had to fix the sin problem before he gave us new life. To not fix the sin problem would make us open to sin causing us to die again. Are y'all following me? So what he did, he took care of the sin problem so we would be able to live eternally. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. That's really good news. Now, for us to understand that, you're going to have to separate these other little sin things that you cause to be important from the sin of unbelief. Because if you believe Jesus died for your sins, then you are dead to sin. Now, let me make sure you understand this. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. If you understand that God took care of the problem... You begin to believe on that and stand on that. It changes your behavior. There's a whole bunch of things that you used to do you won't do anymore because you understand that God took care of that. You're no longer a slave to your desires. I said you're no longer a slave to your desires. You're no longer a victim to your addictions. 
You now have the power to overcome all of those things. Why? Because you believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for that, took the power away from our sin nature and gave us freedom. I'll let you chew for a second. (laughs) It's important that you get that because we have been set free. Let me keep reading. It says, we have therefore been buried with him through baptism into death. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory and power of the father, we too might walk habitually in newness of life, abandoning our old ways. For if we have become one with him, permanently united in the likeness of his death, we will so so certainly be one with him and share fully in the likeness of his resurrection. Jesus died. To make this story so phenomenal, they rush to the tomb. And when they get there, the stone is rolled away. Inside the tomb are the grave clothes that were so meticulously and wonderfully wrapped over Jesus' body. All of the spices and all of the things that were used to wrap his body for death are now neatly folded in the grave tomb. See, because he doesn't need death clothes anymore because he is now resurrected into a new life. So everything that was connected to his old way of life and that was connected to death is no longer necessary. It can't go with him into his new life. And the same with us. Everything that was connected to us before we accepted Jesus Christ, those clothes are neatly folded away from us. They can't go with you into your new life. They no longer have the power to define you. You don't walk around in grave clothes. You got new clothes to wear. New clothes of kindness and goodness and honesty and joy. Are are y'all following me today? So you are a new person. How do we know that? When he died, he died. When we were baptized into him, we died. So once you died, you were baptized and you were resurrected. Brand new person. Now you grow in this new life. But everything else was nailed to the cross. It's over. It's done. It's final. It's stopped. Here's the part that's important. You actually get a chance to change. You know, I talked to a guy the other day and he was saying something. He said, you know, man, there's so many problems in the world that we'll never get rid of. And I thought about that for a second. And I'm thinking, but that's not why Jesus died, is it? He didn't die that things would remain the same. He died that things would become new. So it's important for you to realize if you don't see yourself new, then the only option you have is you're still a slave to what you used to be. And if you're still a slave to what you used to be, somehow you have missed the idea that everything that was connected to you was nailed to the cross as Jesus was nailed to the cross. And you're now a brand new person. Is this making sense to anybody today? 
So how do we do this? Yeah, listen to me. I don't care what a person says to me anymore. I know if you change your mind, if you let your mind be transformed, the stuff you believed in yesterday, you won't believe in tomorrow. If you read the B-I-B-L-E and it begins to transform you, the stuff that led you yesterday will not lead you tomorrow. Why? Because it doesn't have the power to. You've been set free to live a new life. Hallelujah. Oh, I'd like that. I'm going to have to take notes on that myself. It says, we know that our old self, our human nature without the Holy Spirit was nailed to the cross with him. Does that make sense? Praise the Lord. In order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. I'm no longer a slave to sin. For the person who has died with Christ has been freed from the power of sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live together with him because we know the self-evident truth that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. So on this cross, everything that Jesus died for came to us as an inheritance. He took our sin. He gave us righteousness. This happened on the cross. Then he was buried and then he was resurrected. And then this newness of life is now our inheritance. So let's really make sure we unpack I used to be fearful, not talking about me personally. I got a bunch of other baggage I could talk about, but, but fear wasn't one of them. But, but I'm just using this as an example. Used to be fearful. Well, that person that used to be died, nailed to the cross like Christ was, buried with Christ in baptism, then resurrected a brand new person. Fear is still present, but it no longer has the power to guide my footsteps because now I have the Holy Spirit who lives in me who can direct my footsteps, but I must be led of the Holy Spirit. Are y'all still here this morning? So I have to make a decision that I'm not going to live in fear anymore. I'm going to live in the power of God. And the Bible will continue to confirm that for you through scripture after scripture after scripture that tells us that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will protect us. He will be with us. He'll keep a hedge of protection around. It goes on and on. Why? Because you need to be encouraged to live this new life. The cross has finality to it. New life has eternity to it. Do you want to live a new life? Do you want all of Christ to be in all of you so he can live through you in this new life? Then kill the old person. Let him die. Amen. Make sense. 
Let's go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. This is going to be in the Passion Translation. And we're going to begin to read at verse number 14. He says, my only boast is in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, our Messiah. Paul's saying that's what he boasts in, that Jesus was crucified. Why? Because he knows what that crucifixion means. How about you? Especially now, we're coming up on what we call Easter. I like to refer to as Resurrection Day. But we're coming up on this time period. Do we understand the crucifixion? Or is it just a a movie to us? Or is it just a story to us? Or do we understand the extravagant plan of God to restore his people to himself? This is the whole concept of the cross and the tomb and resurrection. So, listen, he says, my boast is in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, our Messiah. He's boasting because he understands what this situation means to him. Let's read on. In him, I have been crucified to this natural realm. And the natural realm is dead to me and no longer dominates my life. The world and its ideologies can't have me because I don't live in that world anymore. I am in it, but I'm not of it. I live in this new realm of which I've given the power to be free of its clutches. Oh, I don't think y'all hear me today. (laughs) The world is a mess. But listen to me, it is our mess because we are the ones with the antidote to the mess. And that's Jesus. But before we can apply the antidote to the world, we have to apply the antidote to ourselves. So how do you do this? Except the fact that he died on the cross for you. Except the fact that he got up for you. And then realize, okay, world, ideology of fear, hate, separation, division, you don't have power over over me anymore. I'm going to love you. And ain't nothing you can do about it. (laughs) I'm going to love you because I have the power to do that now. I have the ability to love you like Jesus loved me. It said he died for us when we were yet, what? Sinners. When we were deep in our sin, Jesus died for us. So my new life has this attribute in it that I should be willing because I'm now free to give my life to those who are still stuck in their sin. I need to lead them to the antidote, the same one that I have, Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus today? Do you believe he's your Messiah, which means he's your savior? Do you believe that he has saved you, saved you from what? From the clutches of the natural realm, from the clutches of the world and his ideologies. He has saved you from that, saved you from the power of that. Again, here's the beauty. And I love this. He said, I'm going to leave them in the world. This is what Jesus said in his prayer. But I need you. And me to be with them. So the Holy Spirit is going to come, which is the third part of our triune God. And the Holy Spirit is going to live in you. 
He's going to guide you. He's going to direct your footsteps. He's going to remind you of everything that Jesus has said. So this extravagant plan doesn't end with Jesus' departure. It continues because God's plans always work. Is this making sense? So you have the Holy Spirit that lives in you. So you now have the power to live in the midst of the storm without being affected by the storm. In actuality, he has given you the power to affect the storm. How do we know? He affected the storm when they were on the ship. He spoke to the wind and the waves and he told them to cease. You now have the power to affect the storm. So whenever you hear about crazy stuff, whenever you hear about these things, don't live in fear of those things. Live in the power that you have because he was, that was nailed to the cross. Jesus gave you this power that you can now speak to that stuff and say, that's enough. You can speak to the people that are in your circle of influence and say, we need to change our minds about how we are doing this particular business. Oh, God, I sure hope y'all are understanding this today because it's so vitally important. Listen closely. We read on. It says circumcision doesn't doesn't mean a thing to me. Now, this is a Jew saying that circumcision doesn't mean a thing. Oh, (laughs) circumcision to a Jew was everything. It was everything. He just said it doesn't mean a thing to him. Why? Because it is connected to the natural realm. This circumcision that he's talking about is a worldly thought, a worldly ideology. It is something that is physical. Let's read on. Circumcision doesn't mean a thing to me. The only thing that really matters is living by the transforming power of this wonderful new creation. Are you living by this transforming power? Have you given yourself over to this transforming power. It's important that we get it. The transforming power of this wonderful new creation life. And all those who live in agreement with this standard will have true peace. Wait a minute. All those who live in agreement with this standard will have true peace. And God's delight For they are the Israel of God. Man, there's so much stuff in here. True peace. You've been looking for peace of mind? (laughs) Some of us can find trouble in a haystack. Why? Because that's what we're used to living off of. We need trouble to define our existence. God said, peace. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. You want true peace? Become an overcomer. Turn your eyes, excuse me, turn your eyes and your heart to Christ. I don't care how long we live. There's always going to be trouble in the world, folks. Somebody say amen. There's always going to be trouble. That's just the way life is. In this world, there's going to be trouble until Christ comes back. 
And when he comes back, that will put the end to all trouble. But until he does, there's going to be trouble. How then do I live? How do I survive? How do I grow as a Christian? I feed on his peace. I stand in his peace. I stand in the fact that when he died on the cross, he changed circumstances for me. He paid for the thing that separated me from God. So now I am reconciled to God. I can see myself as a child of God for real. Now, as I begin to live this new life, I know I can be in the world, but I don't have to be of it. I know that when the trouble in the world begins, I have the antidote for trouble. It's peace. Who is peace? Jesus is the king of peace. He is the prince of peace. That's who he is. So I have the antidote to trouble and that is peace. So do you have that prince of peace in you right now? Do you have that prince of peace? Do you know him as the prince of peace? Because if you do, then trouble doesn't move you. You are motivated through compassion to help people that are in trouble. You don't fear trouble because you know Jesus has overcome trouble. And if he overcame it just like he died and was resurrected, so have you. Amen. We're almost done. It says, but because the Messiah lives in me, where does he live at? He lives in me. I now died to the law's dominion over me so that I can live for God. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross, man, crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. This so moves me. All of Christ in all of me. He lives in me so he can live his life through me. And right here, right now, you have to make a decision. How do you want to live the rest of your life? I'm not going to run from... One fear to the next fear to the next fear to the next fear. I'm not going to run from one mountain of trouble to another mountain of trouble. I'm going to believe what the word of God says. It says you can speak to this mountain and have it be cast into the sea. We're not talking about moving physical mountains. We're talking about moving mountains of fear and confusion and doubt. Why? Because, listen to me, the Messiah, the Savior lives in me in me jesus brought every power and authority that he exercised when he physically walked the earth is now in me through the holy spirit 
God is requiring or asking of me to have faith in that information and then have him exercise his power through me. Did he heal the sick? Did he have the lame to walk? Did he do that? Listen, you may not have the lame to walk, but you can get the fearful to stop being afraid. You can get the lost to quit feeling abandoned and know that they have a father, that they have an Abba father because you know him as Abba father. You now have the power to do these things. But see, this is what Satan wants you to do. Satan wants you to be a problem finder instead of a problem solver. Jesus didn't come to find problems. He came to solve them. That's who lives in you. So now you need to be a problem solver. How do we solve these problems? Let Jesus live through you. See, you can't tell Jesus how to solve the problem. (laughs) He'll tell you how to solve the problem. Let me go on. Y'all okay? It says, my new life is empowered by the faith of the son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. So that is why I don't view God's grace as something minor or peripheral. For if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, the anointed one would have died for nothing. Well, we know he didn't die for nothing. He died for something. We're almost done. Let me go to Acts here. Chapter two, Acts chapter two. Is this helping you today? See, sometimes we really get caught up in the fight. And we lose the fact that our new identity is as a child of God. Our new identity means that Christ is in me, living through me. My job is to give myself to him. We sing these songs. I give myself away. And then we walk out the door. And go, I take myself back so I can do what I want to do. Seriously, this is what we do. And, and, and it's, it's, it's wrong. If you give yourself to him, don't take it back. Let him do what he wants to do through you. But let's read this. This is Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 22. This is the message translation. Fellow Israelites, listen carefully to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man thoroughly accredited by God to you. The miracles and wonders and signs that God did through him are common knowledge. This Jesus, following the deliberate wow, and well thought out plan of God, was betrayed by men who took the law into their own hands and was handed over to you. And you pinned him to a cross and killed him. But God, my favorite two words in the B-I-B-L-E right now, but God. (laughs) See, man got plans. Man plan all the time. But God whose fully detailed, extravagant plan will always work. But God untied the death ropes and raised him up 
death was no match for him. David said it all. I saw God before me for all time. Nothing can shake me. He's right by my side. I'm glad from the inside out. Ecstatic. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. I said in the land of hope. I'm yelling right now because I need you to hear me. Don't mess with the volume on your TV. (laughs) In the land of hope is where our tent should be. But no, most of us right now are living. We have pitched our tent in the land of fear. Because we don't realize that he's right here with us. He's right here inside of us. He has not left us. And he has victory over all things. Pitch. It's time to move. It's time to move. Move out of the land of fear, doubt, confusion, division, hate. Move into the land of hope. Because hope does not fail. So move your tent. Oh, this is going to become really obvious to you as you walk about these next couple days. It's going to be extremely important. You're going to find out where you're living at. Because it will define your mindset. If you're living in the world of fear, you're going to find everything in that city that is fearful. But if you're living in the land of hope, you're going to find reason to hope all the time. Listen. He said, I will take all things and turn them to good for those that love me. So even the things that you're looking at that you think are crazy, he said he's going to take that and turn it to good. Well, how does he do that? He's God. Ben's not. I can't answer that. But he he does. He's proved it over and over and over again. Let me finish this. See, I didn't. Got excited, y'all. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. I know you'll never, how long is never? You'll never dump me in Hades. I'll never even smell the stench of death. (laughs) You've got my feet on the life path with your face shining sun joy All around. I don't know about you. That's good news. The B-I-B-L-E is good news. So where you living, brothers and sisters? I said, where you living? As long as you hear things that make you frightened and you think those things have the power to rival the extravagant detailed plan of God, you got a problem. I don't care what I hear. I don't see what, I don't care what I, I, I'm no longer afraid. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because my God said he'll go before me. (laughs) He'll be all around me. Can you trust God today? Listen to me. You're going to hear all kinds of stuff. And then here's the funny part. And Paul addressed this. 
you'll try to figure out ways to fix the problem that you see. Paul said, the law could never do that on its own. God got a plan. Pray. Trust him. And sometimes he'll tell you to do something you didn't want to do. He'll tell you to go somewhere you didn't want to go. Because that is part of his detailed plan. Now, you've heard this story before. I'm not going to take a lot of time to repeat it. But I definitely did not want to come to Tuesday Church at Tomoka Christian Church. My first visit here was horrible. And I made up my mind that day. I, there's no way in the world. I went and told Pastor Joe, bruh, you know, I'm cool with you. But I'm not dealing with them folks, bro. No, I'm sorry. You have to find somebody else with that. But I went home. And we prayed. And God said, go. Do you trust him today? He said, go. I didn't like it. I wasn't happy. With God's decision. Because he took everything. Out of my hands. And he said I need you. To trust me. Without faith. It's impossible. To please me. Is what he said. So I had to have faith. And then what did he do? Because we trusted him. I'm in love with a whole bunch of y'all. Hundreds. Almost thousands of y'all. Because he's expanded our territory. He has caused something to happen here on Tuesdays that hasn't happened anywhere in the United States of America. We are the largest church in America that meets on Tuesday mornings. (laughs) There is nothing like us on the planet. It didn't happen because I'm so smart. It happened because we decided... That my decision making could nowhere measure up to the decision and the extravagant detailed plan of God. So in closing today, you've got to understand. You got to be obedient to him. I don't like it, God. I've so many times, man, I was y'all know what Zillow is. So many times I was on Zillow looking for property in other states and other stuff. And I'm telling God, God, listen, we came to help our daughter in Florida. She got remarried and she left. I said, there's no reason for us to stay here, Lord. We we should go. And he said, no, you're going to stay. Now, I could have left. But I know my plan. I know me. I know my plans are horrible. I had to trust God. So I'm telling you this. David seen that his body would not stay in hell. That the stench of death would not be connected to him. Why? Because he knew who God was. How about you? Do you actually know him? I said, do you actually know him? Because if you do, you're going to leave here today and move your tent (laughs) from the land of fear into the land of hope. And then you're not going to go back 
to the land of fear. You're going to live in hope knowing that God got this. Well, I don't understand what's happening. You don't have to understand. You don't even know how your body works. You don't even know how oxygen distributes itself through your bloodstream. But I ain't never heard you argue about that. God, I ain't going to breathe again until I understand. No, you just keep right on breathing. I'm asking you to do the same thing. Trust him today. Because all of this stuff has been nailed to the cross. And that's its finality. You live in a new world today with new power. Father, we thank you for blessing us with this time today, with this message, with this, this praise and worship music. Father, there are some people out there right now who are moving, moving right now in the mighty name of Jesus. They are pitching their tent in the city of hope. Father, we thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus. Let them move. Let this be a migration of Christians who are moving back into the city of hope. Father, we thank you for these victories. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone say it. God bless you. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Have a great week in the Lord.